This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey folks, welcome to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanisan. You know, you can take the Malaysian out of Malaysia, but you definitely can't take the Malaysia out of the Malaysian. Home or abroad, you can be sure that it's only a matter of time before Malaysians succumb to their cravings and eat a dose of delicious local food. But what do you do if you're studying abroad or staying in the UK and you don't have easy access to that kind of food? Well, enter Halal Street UK. What started as a e-marketplace established in 2018 based in the UK, their website is a one-stop marketplace to purchase curated Malaysian products from SMEs based here in Malaysia straight to consumers in the UK market. Now, the interesting thing about this is not only is it tap into the Malaysian market in the UK, but has potential to tap into the much larger Muslim market in the UK. Pew research data shows that in 2016, 6% of the UK population was Muslim. That's around 4.1 million people. Only France and Germany had larger numbers in Europe. So joining us today to explore the potential of the the halal market in the UK is Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Halal Street UK. Simon, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Roshan. It's nice to be here. I've been following your show and uh, you know, it's it's great to be on it, finally. <laughs> yes, yes. We've had a few, uh, let's just call it timing mismatches and apologies for that. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to have you on. You know, quite an interesting thing you've got here and you've actually built some other things in the past, which we will get into later in a little bit. Now, Simon, it's been five years since Salah Street UK has been active. It started off as a marketplace uh, for what I mentioned earlier. Uh, now it's a platform that connects local SMEs, particularly in the F&B segment with the UK and European markets. Now give us a sense of what you're doing here, right? Are you just facilitating the transactions or do you also provide support and related services such as you know, credit, financing, logistics, that sort of thing? Well, we started off, as you uh, mentioned, as uh, an e-commerce platform. We wanted to see whether there was a market. I'm, um, I, I operate on the basis of risk mitigation at every step in, in order not to commit yourself one way or the other too quickly. And what we noticed was uh, since 2016, there was a steady amount of people generally slowly buying. It, it wasn't a proper business at that stage. It was more of a test market. And in 2019, things started to ramp up. And from the e-commerce platform, we we saw there were lots of other bridges that we needed to build in order to enable, you know, a, a Malaysian business to enter seamlessly enter the UK market. So we said, right, we'll take every challenge every as an opportunity here, and we realized that the UK had the Food Standards Agency had particular regulatory labeling requirements. We didn't have that, mm. so we built a software specifically for that. It took us a year. We went back and forth with the UK authorities and we built it. So now we've got the regulatory labeling that our products needed. Next came, we needed a warehouse and we got a warehouse. And the minute we got the warehouse, we found retail stores coming to us in the UK saying, would you supply us these products? So it was no longer fulfillment from an e-commerce platform basis. It was now we're actually entering physical distribution. So you could give me a product here in Malaysia We'll look at it, we'll assess it, uh, we'll put the necessary uh, regulatory labels on it, uh, we will advertise it, and we will move it for you all the way to our warehouse in the UK, and we'll start distributing it if orders come in on the e-commerce platform. Otherwise, um, you might choose to use our physical distribution uh, method. So 
straight off the bat here, uh, it sounds like this is a B2B business. So you're supplying from, you're basically sourcing from other businesses towards your Halal Street platform, and then you're distributing now towards other UK businesses. Is that the extent right now? Um, that's a good question. A lot of people ask me whether we are B2B. We do both. We started mm. off as B2C and we've not really moved away from that because it's a great way to get the pulse of the nation. And when you go to a retail store, you can say, right, we've got so many orders in this particular category. Right. So it gives you a so bit of sense of attraction, that consumer behavior, and absolutely. then you can show that data absolutely. to the other businesses. This is what is hot. This is what's not. Keeps you in the loop, I guess, in a lot of ways. Very much so. Very much so. Um, the amount of data that we've collected on market studies, you know, our own market studies on what products move and who's buying and in which area has been incredible for us to realize. And and this is all, you know, being done not by a Western company for the Western market, but, but by a Malaysian company collecting this data. So that's been another area of growth for us. Could you give us any insights or any like interesting examples of the consumer behavior that you're noticing or based on your data? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, consumer behavior. Well, I think the first thing to say is we've got about 15,000 uh, Malaysians resident in the UK. And another uh, 15,000, yeah, 15, 15 or 16,000, then the number fluctuates. Now, from that, we don't get very much business, to be very honest. You would think that they would be the ones buying from us. Uh, we do get Malaysian businesses, I'm sorry, Malaysian consumers coming to us, but a lot of our business comes actually from the Western market. Huh. We find Westerners love products like rendang paste. <laughs> um, my, the curious one for me was Karepe Padas seems to be a big seller. Karepe Padas. I mean, <laughs> seriously. So I was in a festival and um, someone came up to me and, and um, said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're selling Malaysian products. Okay, fine. What's this? Uh, it's a crisp. They ate it. They said, oh, it's not very nice. It's It's gone stale. I said, gone stale? How? No, it's not. Second person said the same thing. And then I realized I was describing it wrong. Because in England, a crisp is crisp. Yeah. Like Pringles and you know, the, all the other brands. It's crisp. But crepe padas is not crisp. Mm. So the next person came along and said, I said, would you like to try this Malaysian crisp? But it's not crisp. It's sweet and it's spicy. Is it a crisp that not crisp? She, I said, yep, it's not crisp. <laughs> Try it. They bought two bags and went away. Description of products is critical when we sell our products here. For instance, a lot of people recognize the, the word Borneo more than they actually recognize the word Malaysia. Wow. Borneo sells big. So if you say, yep, Malaysia, part of Borneo, you know, Borneo is part of Malaysia, you know, oh, brilliant. Things that resonate are things like the oldest rainforest in the world. Um, we never see ourselves as exotic. But in truth, what's the difference between someone from Hawaii and someone from Malaysia? Why is it a Hawaiian pineapple? If I give a Hawaiian pineapple to someone, I go, oh, my goodness. You, know, <laughs> you think of, you know, the hula hula girls and the waves. But Malaysia should evoke that same uh, exoticism. So it's that branding and marketing that you're attaching there that it allows you mm -hmm. to uh, connect with the the market, the local base there. Um, yes. And you know something you mentioned that I want to follow up on, uh, Simon, is that mm -hmm. you were at a festival. So um, when you started the business, was it a very mm -hmm. on the ground kind of situation where you were going to these kind of festivals, or did you start off mm -hmm. digital? Mm -hmm. We started off digital, but 
uh, immediately we went into the festival. Uh, it was it was at the same time. Uh, we found festivals actually gave us uh, market feedback, immediate market feedback, because I could think something the best thing on earth, but I cannot decide for the customer. I, I must always listen to the customer. And that's what we did at festivals. We learned that we were describing products wrongly. We learned that people love Malaysian food. An another product that really sells well is um, pineapple jam tarts, strangely enough. Well, they are delicious, so I, I, I feel them. <laughs> but for someone in the UK, they can't put, they can't quite put why a pineapple is on a biscuit. You just can't get it. <laughs> Until they taste it, and they go, oh my goodness. All right, folks, we've got to go into a few messages. I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Hull Street UK, and we will be back in just a few minutes. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Halal Street UK, a halal platform based in the UK that's helping SMEs tap into the UK market. Uh, Simon, you know, building an online platform isn't as simple as one might think. It's not cheap. It's not mm -hmm. easy. So how did you mm -hmm. fund this business when you started? I uh, was working at that time in the UK. I've lived in the UK for about 17 years now. And I worked as a lawyer then. And um, during this time, it, it was my hobby to start with. Uh, I, I built the models. I learned how to code. I learned how to use um, e-commerce platforms. Everything was done on my own. Of course, today we've got offices in both countries and we've got warehouses and everything else. But we started off really, really small. I, I have a, a, another business philosophy. I've got lots of them. It's called fail fast. If something doesn't work, try something else. If something doesn't work, try something else. You'll know whether there's a spark of life in it after a few minutes. And and it was a real entrepreneurial journey um, to, to start off uh, the entire thing. So we started off small and um, uh, it was from there that we grew. So speaking of your entrepreneurial journey, um, Simon, why did you enter this particular space? I mean, uh, you've got this fail fast kind of mentality there. Um, take us through the wider entrepreneurial journey. Have you tried other things? Uh, I'm going to guess this is not your first venture. So to give us a bit of that history and how it led to Halal Street UK and that rationale for entering this market. Um, well, it really depends on how far back you want to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think, I, think I, I, I don't like to admit it, but I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm very proud to have um, created a few things in Malaysia, uh, one of which I founded the club Volvo Classic Malaysia, which is a single series car club in 1996. And, you know, 20 odd years later, you come back and you see the amount of awesome things and the amount of charity that's been done and amount of families that have wonderful experiences because of this. Uh, I went on to create Simon's Pocket Law, um, which was the world's first pocket PC with um, statutes and, and cases on them. And that proved quite pro very popular. In fact, when I came to the UK, they, they seemed to know the product and, um, and, and a few other <laughs> businesses along the way. Uh, I had a translation house. I, 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 I suppose I struggled not to do anything outside of work hours. Mm. So I keep I'd come up with these new things. Mm. And through yeah. all these projects or all these other ventures that you had, um, mm -hmm. it was always done concurrently with your, your nine to five, your full time yeah. job. Uh, so yes, at, that's correct. 
so today, as you're running Hanal Street UK, are you still uh, are you still doing this part time? <laughs> Strangely enough, this time no. So <laughs> what what was it? Uh, so what what was it that made that shift? Right. Um, obviously, there's something oh. special you're seeing here. Um, well, the, the business started off quite innocently. Um, I was in um, a local supermarket here at lunch with a colleague of mine who was helping me do a lot of work. And I said, you know, as a as a gift, could I could I buy some sweets for your for your children? And she said, um, no. And I said, maybe I have to ask three times, you know, the Malaysian way. And and she was um, uh, from Pakistan. And I said, please let me buy some sweets for your children. They would love this. She goes, no. I said, would she said, no, nope, don't ask again. It's not halal. I said, no, this sweets from this really, you know, it was a high street store, important store, a big store. She says, no, it's not halal. I'm telling you, Simon, it's not halal. And I was going, that can't be, because I grew up in a country where you could walk into a supermarket and buy sweets for your friend's children if you wanted to. And then I realized how special Malaysia was. You know, when you look at uh, concepts like from the clash of civilizations, and, and Malaysia is that unique country that blends things together. So I said, what else can't you buy in the supermarket? And she was kind enough. She walked me through every row and said, I want this, but I can't get this. I want this. I said, oh my God, we've got all these things. <laughs> and that's where it started. The inception that's for that, the, the market opportunity yeah. appeared in front of you. Correct. And then we started growing it. We started learning. Um, because I wasn't stressed about making too much money in the early years, I could spend all my time learning what I needed to understand about the market. And I realized that if you sold vitamins in the UK, you could become a millionaire overnight. Because... Halal vitamins are a scarcity. Usually people say, are you sure? It's going, trust me. You can't find them for love or money. And, and during winter, um, there's a, if you're Asian, that's a vitamin that, that isn't produced because of the sunlight can't get through. And it's vitamin D and it's critical. Vitamin D is critical. That's why some people become sad in winter. So halal vitamin D was a big seller. It is a big seller. And you learn lots about the market this way. And then you wonder why isn't anyone else doing it? But then you think to yourself, who better than a Malaysian company? So it's a little bit of a combination of things here. I mean, here in Malaysia, we talk a lot about the halal market opportunity, and you've got multiple agencies working on that. Um, it's a big market opportunity, whether it's Islamic fintech or F&B or pharmaceuticals, as you correctly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This organic uh, kind of situation you've noticed because you grew up in a country that where we had a lot of halal products. You went to a country where there is a sizable mm-hmm. Muslim population, but they have to be more careful mm-hmm. about certain things because it's not it's not the mm-hmm. default mode there. Um, could you give me a sense of from that initial meeting in that supermarket till today, how did the business evolve? What were the big milestones where you went from from uh, from just a marketplace to an ecosystem, from deciding that uh, the day you decided that, you know what, this could be full time, you, you quit your day job, that sort of thing? Well, I'll start with the last question first. I um, always knew that question would come up at some point uh, for me personally. When would I have to move over? And it was very simple. When the revenue generated by the business uh, matched my salary, then I would step across the bridge. So there's not too much of a gap. And I had to be confident that there was uh, legs in the project that we could actually, um, that I could see it for the next five years. And I could. So going back to how it started again, we started the website, tested some products coming through, we discovered barriers to entry, which were certain products couldn't be brought in. 
And as a lawyer, I was fortunate because I managed to get all the statutes and analyze it and read it and find exceptions to rules. Um, there's always a way around things. Some things, absolutely, there's an absolute no-no. For instance, funny is an absolute no-no. Um, and from there, we started going and giving talks to businesses. We, I'd advertise on um, Instagram, and it started really small. And then Matrik took notice of us and called us in and said, would you like to represent Malaysian companies in the UK? And I said, yes. And that was a, a huge milestone for us. We signed an agreement with Martrade and we started working closely with them. And I have to say, that's an absolutely brilliant group of people that I've worked with uh, in, in Martrade. Currently, I'm working with a gentleman called Professor Abubakar. And I, I love the open communication that they have, understanding, it, I think it's called public-private partnership, and they do yes. it very well. <laughs> and I saw that, uh, that MOU that was signed, I think it was in 2021, correct? I believe it was, yeah. yeah and being signed, yeah. and yeah. the way it was being the narrative, yeah. <laughs> now, the narrative around that, of course, is that, that you would help connect local SMEs uh, with the UK right. market and help right. us basically increase our exports, given that we have exposure to that and access to the halal goods. How has that partnership been performing and how has it contributed towards your, your growth? Well, um, we started off with about 50 um, uh, companies with us and we have grown to about 650. As in any online business, not every company is going to get a sale, but we found um, almost 50% of them got sales in the first year. It's a realistic business. We also found that 74% of our sales in the UK came from our newsletter strangely enough. We tried advertising on Google, we went on Facebook, we did all that, but it just didn't happen. And then we we, we started doing the, the analytics and we found people who subscribed to our newsletter, which went out twice a month, would actually buy the products. And it made a lot of sense because you'd be interested in Malaysian products when you signed up. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, we created a separate website called omalaysia.com. Omalaysia is... Um, a food and culture site for the UK. So we feature everything Malaysian that's happening in the UK on that website. So you've so taken you content marketing and you've run with it. <laughs> yes, you could say that. But again, it's just building the, that bridge. We find, you know, we, we need to get over there. We need to get build that bridge. Yeah, get the interest so you, and then after that, sell the product that's associated with that interest. Correct, correct. Um, now, for instance, if you wanted to find someone making kueh in London, O Malaysia has the details of all those people. So we're trying to, and we don't charge anyone, uh, any Malaysian joining O Malaysia. You come in, it's called the Garai Classifieds. How awesome is that? <laughs> That's a good name. Kueh in London. That is a good name. <laughs> it's called the Garai Classifieds. Um, but we also have, um, for instance, if a, a dance troupe is coming down, we feature them. Jason Leong came down, we featured him. Anything happening, anything Malaysian is featured on All Malaysia. But we also have an online store. Because mm. you might want to buy something Malaysian. And that's when you come to our e-commerce site. So, so that has become your main funnel? Uh, it has. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, um, the subscriber. For the B2C aspect. For the B2B aspect, we started a new project uh, called Project 100, where... We go to a hundred retail stores and we place a stand of Malaysian products. And we tell the gentleman, the first lot is 
uh, you know, you can sell it at a, at a particular price, a fixed price. And what you like from there, please go to our uh, online catalog and order the rest from there. So we're building up the stores carrying Malaysian products now. And and it's not as simple as that. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to it in the sense that if somebody goes into a store and sees rendang paste, are they going to buy it? They're not going to buy it mm. because they wouldn't know. For instance, if, I, if, uh, if someone put in a Malaysian store uh, salt fish and aki in a tin and said, you know, would you like this? Where's it from? Oh, it's from Nigeria. No, thank you. I don't know what it is. I'm not buying it. But if I explain to you that in a description on it that it's a fruit, uh, with saltfish and is one of the best dishes you could get from this country, the most favorite dishes, you might want to try it. Mm -hmm. So that gap, that gap of communication was critical in us even entering the retail stores. So we fix all these little bridges. You could bring me any product currently, uh, not any product, uh, <laughs> pretty much any product, pretty much any product, and I'll find a way to sell it in the UK. Is, is your supply chain primarily, uh, is it only Malaysia or are you sourcing products from other countries as well? We constantly get calls from Indonesia mm. and Thailand, um, but we're focusing on Malaysia because there are enough companies in Malaysia with amazing products. I came across uh, sambal strawberry the other day and, um, you know, wonton mee sauce that you can have. People that come across our food, you know, think about it. When foreigners, you know, when Westerners or anyone else comes to Malaysia for a holiday, when they leave, the first thing they talk about is the food. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, it's incredible. So that would be a good lead to introduce Malaysia back into the UK currently. All right, folks, we've got to go into a few messages. I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Hull Street UK. I'm Roshan Kennison. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Halal Street UK, a halal platform based in the UK that's helping SMEs tap into the UK market. Simon, I want to talk a little bit about the numbers. Um, you've been yeah, around sure. for about uh, five years now. It sounds yeah. like you're doing well. You're getting traction. You've yeah. gotten some partnerships here, whether it's Martrade or your Project 100. Um, where is Halal Street UK now in terms of revenue generation? Well, I must admit the first two years were a bit rocky um, when uh, we needed to find our footing. Um, I can say last year was an extremely good year for us. We we crossed um, our mark. Uh, there was an 80% um, increase on the year before that. This year we were on, I say we were, on target to hit 2.5 million uh, ringgit in sales. But uh, th there's been a bit, a bit of a glitch. Uh, so I think we've got to revise that down slightly. And in terms of the uh, profitability, because I think the way you phrased it earlier, you know, risk mitigation, you were talking about that. So you're obviously a more cautious business person. Uh, you're not growth at all cost kind of mentality. So you did it part time, made sure it was sustainable. Like, all right, now I can hitch my wagon to this and let's go. Um, so I'm going to assume there is a level of profitability. Am I correct in assuming that? Absolutely, absolutely right. Absolutely, it's it's um, when you're entering a, almost a greenfield area for us. Um, although we're called Halal Street, we find people buy our products because they're Malaysian, uh, and when it's Malaysian, your market is not just the Muslim community 
which is about five, six million. It's the whole of the UK. The whole of the UK loves Malaysian products. It's like, like I said, we, sh- we have to think of ourselves as exotic as the Hawaiians. We are. <laughs> There's nothing to say we're not. We've got beautiful islands, we've got everything. We've got pineapples. <laughs> so coming, coming back to your question, because we've got an ecosystem running, at any one point in time, there will be one that's a loss leader. Any one point in time, one will be a loss leader, or even two sometimes. So we make currently um, our margins come, and, and and it's collective. Yeah, uh, we have good margins uh, from our registration cost coming in, and also on our logistics. Uh, but we're we're having a loss leader on on getting the retail stores come in, and uh, we will have a lot of sales going on in order to drive new subscribers onto our marketplace. So those are expected loss leaders for the next two years, three years. I don't expect to make a profit there at all. I don't want to because then we're not doing enough to push it out. Right. So those are Um, also the ones where you can acquire customers into your ecosystem so that your registration, your fulfillment, your logistics, that's where you make the money uh, after the fact. Um, But as a company, wide, are we talking about? Because, you know, when you hear things like e-commerce platforms, usually it's the transaction numbers, the Mm -hmm. margins are usually quite thin. Um, or in, uh, as uh, we're seeing with you as well, sometimes they, they are loss leaders, right? Like Amazon is the biggest e-commerce company, but it makes its money from AWS, which is the infrastructure mm-hmm. it provides. Um, are Correct. we talking about high single-digit, low double-digit margins? or um, it, it's um, For us, it, it's quite straightforward. If, if you're a vendor, you come onto our site, it's a 10% markup uh, on the product. We don't want to price you out of the market even before you've tried it. Uh, and we make our money from different areas, like I said. Um, you know, the, the platform is one, the logistics are another. So it is, um, it, it's a balancing act. Mm. I'd like to say that every part is singularly profitable, but sometimes the thing that determines profit is time, <laughs> and you've got to allow a tree to grow before it can bear fruit, and that's what we're doing. We're, um, we're growing the tree right now uh, in the UK itself. And I'm really proud, you know, 15,000 subscribers on our newsletter and, and it is growing exponentially. We constantly get things on people signing up. I've got a great team over here. We, uh, you know, everything's run out of uh, our Bangsa South uh, office. We've got a team of eight here and we've got a team of four in our warehouse in, in the UK itself. So the, the, there's a lot going on, you know, I, uh, you won't, you don't get a chance to sleep. So that 2.5 million target, more or less for 2023, you have to revise it down somewhat. Uh, but what kind of growth will that reflect for this year uh, based on last year, on year uh, growth? Um, we try for uh, at least 100% growth year right. on year. And what, based on that, what has driven that, right? Are you talking about, is it more products being introduced into the system? Is it market expansion? What's driving your growth? Again, in the sector we're looking at, um, Currently, it's project. The project 100 is a major uh, driver of growth, and our margins, uh, our profitability margins, are just going to change because of that. This is entering 100 retail stores in the UK, so you'd, you'd be able to go to 100 retail stores in the UK and pick up Malaysian products. I mean, it's not going to be 99, uh, but it's definitely going to be Malaysian products because you can find Vietnamese, you can find Thai, you can find uh, Singaporean. You can find every other product in stores. Where are the Malaysian products? And I've taken upon it as as my mission to get Malaysian products into retail stores. 
Yeah, thank you for that. Because sometimes they get subsumed by the Singaporean products, which is very upsetting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Project 100 is probably just the first mm-hmm. phase. I'm sure you're going to have bigger ambitions after that once you hit that 100 mark. Um, where are you yeah. in terms of progress for Project 100? We've hit about 50 stores and I'm just about to engage a full-time person to, to look after those stores. I found them extremely receptive, provided the products are in a state to be sold, which means going back to that saltfish in our key example, if you didn't know anything about Malaysia, if you never heard of Malaysia, would you buy this product? How would I get you to buy it? How would I make it interesting enough for you to buy it? And we know our products are good. And that's why that ecosystem plays really important for you as well, because you're also acting a little bit like a distributor, you're marketing, you're doing the communication. So that's where the value add is coming in. A part of the value add anyway is coming in on your end. All right, folks, we've got to go into a few messages. I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Harl Street UK, and we will be back in just a few minutes. I'm Roshan Kennison. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hey folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Halal Street UK, a halal platform based in the UK that's helping SMEs tap into the UK market. Um, looking ahead, are you going to be looking to raise funds to accelerate growth? Is that uh, something you're considering? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I think in this market, if you don't uh, actually uh, grow, you will move back. Uh, and Malaysia has a, a great agency called um, the MDEC, uh, the Malaysian Digital Economy Corporation, Corporation. run by a superb gentleman, Mahadev Aziz, uh, who is so dynamic in delivering all these programs. And they've got a number of programs that, that we're looking at uh, that we're hoping to grow the business but as you know i'm extremely risk (laughs) there's a certain amount of risk i'll take calculated risks uh i have to be extremely sure that we've tested it and there is potential it's repeatable we can sustain it and then we enter this particular market now we've got a model that we can actually uh, replicate in any country to take malaysian products it's not about putting up uh, e-commerce platform that, that ship has sailed long ago. It's got to be complemented by the various other components that provide a complete end-to-end solution. Uh, there was a time you'd go to large companies and say, okay, you work with me, you work with me. But when you're, when you're introducing a whole brand new concept, they're not going to be committed to selling your products as you will be committed to making sure the entire machine works well. And then later, when it's found its feet, you can actually approach the bigger distributors and say, no, here we are. Take us. Yeah, MDEC got a very aggressive um, plan or strategies for the Islamic economy. So that's a pretty good partner to have in your corner there. Uh, But in terms of raising funds, you are looking to um, raise funds? Yeah, we will uh, next year. Absolutely. Um, Once we get our numbers to where we want it to be, uh, we will look at expanding to other countries. Uh, currently, we want to perfect what we have as close as possible to get this thing working, and w- which I think we're 75, 80% there already. Um, you know, sales are happening every single day. It, you know, it, sometimes I read articles about there's a market of trillions here, you know, the, the halal market in cosmetics is worth this. But 
how do you access that market? No one tells you how to access it. You can go to all the fairs you want. You might get one order. repeatability <laughs> in it. So it has to be practical. You've got to be practical about it. And and we are extremely practical in the way we we take your product and we, we try and find a sale. Uh, on a realistic basis, a majority of the products sell and people love it. Uh, there was a, a very quick story. There was a lady who came to us uh, with her, in fact, it was the crepe, and she said, nobody will buy my product. I said, hold on. Um, do you have all the necessary um, certificates and whatever not? She goes, yes, I do, but I don't think they'd like it. Um, I think two months later, she was sending pallets of it to the UK. Wow. Pallets of her product. And she called me with tears in her eyes. You know, she was crying on the phone. She was going, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. But that's the potential of the UK market. They love Malaysian products, but they've got to know about us first. And we've got to make an effort at introducing ourselves. We cannot stand in ceremony and expect them to know us. Uh, that seems yeah. to be a big focus, right? That content marketing that you are doing, the the communication that you're doing. And um, unfortunately, it seems that a lot of Malaysian companies aren't great at that branding and marketing stuff that actually is really important in order to get your product known or at least your brand known, right? Because a lot of the value comes from that last third that the you can be the biggest OEM on earth, but no one's going to know who you are. Uh, but everyone's going to know who the end product brand is. Um Simon, we've got a few minutes left before we got to wrap up this conversation. Um, sure. It's been five years now since you've been actively involved in Hollow Street UK. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the average exit time in Malaysia is about eight years, 8.1 years. That's the latest data we're getting. Um, how much thought have you given to the kind of exit you, that this business could uh, potentially see? Or are you in it for the long run, take it public, that sort of situation? Uh, we're in it for the long run at this stage. Um, we, I see great potential in, in taking it public and expanding, um, carrying the Malaysian flag to different countries. I am so proud to be able to sell Malaysia and Malaysia and Malaysian products uh, outside of the country. It is, you know, it's it's sometimes, I know it's about the money, but the feeling you get may not be the same all the time. This feeling I get and my team gets representing Malaysia when we're selling these products is, is wonderful. So the money is good. Uh, the feeling is wonderful. The spirit is wonderful. And, you know, Britain signed the CPTPP, which now makes it the first European country to join uh, this this collection of uh, 13 countries. And we're going to be able, the access to entry for Malaysian products into the UK is even better now. It's even better. That's going to give us a whole new, uh, uh, what do you call, wind in our sails as we take more products across. Let's wrap up on this note. Five years from now, you'll hit 10 years uh, actively involved in this yeah. business. Um, yeah. What's uh, Halal Street UK or O Malaysia going to look like, ideally speaking? I I see us as a, a global company. I, I, I'm very averse to someone trying to say we sell to 150 countries. You know, it's, it's tricky. So uh, I'd like us to replicate our model in different countries. Uh, that's where I see us coming up with fintech products, introducing Malaysia, putting Malaysia on the map, because we've got a lot of products that we can introduce across the world. And if we have an e- we have an ecosystem for Malaysian products, we can begin to sell our fintech products through it. In fact, we've identified a huge market in the UK that's just waiting for a Malaysian solution to come into it. Simon, on that note, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.
I've been speaking with Simon Suresh, founder and CEO of Halal Street, a halal platform based in the UK that's helping SMEs tap into the UK market. I'm Roshan Kanison. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.